Yeah, sure. Uh, what's up, ladies and gentlemen, what's up? all listening to the podcast? My uh, name is uh, Alex Shannon. I'm your host, and we have here our guest, Mr. Um, what, was, what was it again? Wait, time out. I thought we were, <laughs> we were co host. I'm just kidding. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Uh, your other host, I suppose, uh, after that rude comment, uh, your other host, Trevor Greca. Uh, I'm a senior at Missouri State <laughs> University. Uh, go Bears. Um, yeah. And I hail from the great town of Cuba, Missouri. If you know anything about the place, you know that um, there's not much to know besides there's this nice little lake there. And uh, that's the reason that 90% of people know about it. And that it's on I-44, a great interstate that allows people to see each other. So I like that. True, true. I am from St. Charles, Missouri. If you know anything about St. Charles, Missouri, uh, we are known for the one casino in our town and the... 90 small shops on our main street um but yeah we're just northwest of st louis and that's all there is to it yeah so me and trevor just felt like we wanted to you know express a few thoughts on the interwebs um specifically about our catholic faith and specifically what it's like in a lot of senses um, and things that might be helpful to know about being a Catholic man on the campus of a college, you know, during your some very formative years of your life. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, to be honest, there's a lot of resources in the Catholic world already. In the Christian world, you have resources such as Ascension Presents or other uh, notable resources that, well, yeah, obviously we're bringing in, you know, top speakers and people on subjects. But what maybe sometimes those lack is an opinion of those, you know, who are very much like not an expert, uh, not, you know, bona fide people that are going to be sought after. And what you're looking for here is you're looking for your average Joe's understanding the faith and hopefully conversations that are going to help you to understand better from two guys who are just trying to figure out what the world's about. Just a layman's perspective here. Um, yeah, if you're looking for something a little... Deeper, I highly recommend Ascension's Present. Ascension Presents has a lot of great videos. Um, I also have other podcasts I recommend. The Crunch is similar in that um, it's, it's just a layman's perspective, uh, but the two of them are missionaries. Um, we're two college students. And then I highly recommend something like, you know, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Pints of the Quines. It's great. Clerically Speaking is really good. Stuff like that. So... Yeah. yeah. Our specific focus is just to bring conversations in about a lot of important topics we see on discipleship, on how to live well, on how to understand our faith in light of the 21st century and all of the things happening. So, yeah, Trevor, um, tell me a little bit about your week. How's it been? Uh, obviously, it was a good week. I, I think one thing I've noticed is that I have a tendency, and I think this is very common in our culture, a lot of people have a tendency to say, yeah, it was good. And then... Mm -hmm. I have to think about why it was good. In fact, one time I, I really listened to a speaker that I really liked, and what they had said is that whenever someone says they had a good week, you should always ask like, "What made it good?" Um, to really get you know dig in deeper into into understanding them, to seeking uh, a mutuality of understanding between persons. Right. So my week was good. What made it good, I think, was a lot of good conversations with friends. Uh, I think that. Um, this week was a little slower than the past two weeks, and I had a little bit more time to spend um, hanging out um, at our Catholic Center, hanging out 
um, in the department. Just a lot of good conversations with people, um, leading to better understanding of myself, of them, um, and of a lot of topics such as leading small groups or um, the importance of understanding, knowing yourself, like personality test kind of stuff. Just some really good conversations this week, um, as well as the fact that, yeah, in the middle of this Exodus 90 thing, and it's really kicking my butt right now. I'm not going to lie, but it's really cool because it's, it's getting into, it's kind of like when you start a new workout. The first week is hard, but in some ways it's not as hard because your motivation is really high. We're sinking into this time where the motivation is lowering. So I'm really excited to just push myself and to push against that low motivation level. So a good week, um, a lot of lessons to be learned, and hey, the Super Bowl is tomorrow, so... I'm excited to see what happens in the game. I know around here there's a lot of disappointed Chiefs fans, but, you know, it's still a Super Bowl. It's still going to be fun to watch the commercials in the game. So, a good week. Alex, how about you? What's been what's been good about your week? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, as you guys can tell, Trevor's a communications major. <laughs> really has it down to a science. But my week has been really good. This Exodus 90 thing, yeah, for the uninitiated, it's basically lent to the extreme. You give up this whole list of things. There's stuff on there like cold showers and no snacking between meals and no social media and stuff like that. And it's pretty challenging. And we're right in the midst of it. I'd say we're we're finishing up our second week right now. Correct? By in the midst, he means we're still very much in the yes. beginning. Yes. But, uh, yeah, digging in for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it's 90 days total, and it's it's not it's not fun, but it's edifying. Mm, that's yeah. a great word right there. That's a scriptural word. <laughs> edifying. edifying, yes. And, yeah, it's been a good week. Similar to you, I just met up with a lot of people this week, which was really great. Uh, it was a week that I just kind of realized at the beginning of the week that I haven't been meeting up with a whole lot of people lately. Uh, there's a lot of friendships that I've, kind of let shift away since I don't meet up with them as often mm. as I used to mm. now that I'm in the midst of senior year and senior season ladies and gentlemen yes let me tell you um, the connections just are harder to maintain this year um, just because you're not doing everything on campus anymore you're not constantly around everyone so you have to make an effort and so I did that I reached out to a couple of people and was just like hey want to go get lunch or something like that and mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of good conversations i had this week so yeah really enjoyable i love that i love what you said about um not being in the midst of everything kind of slowing down because i think for those of you that are in this period of life have gone through this period of life or anticipating this period of life of being a senior um kind of transitioning out of college into what they call quote the real world as if everything else has been fake um as we're looking towards these next years of our life i think what's really cool is understanding that a lot of times we're not going to be put into situations where friendships are going to be easy to cultivate. In fact, as you know, society gets more and more segregated as you leave this you know, college where everyone lives on each other's doorstep, you have to really make it an intentional choice to continue friendships. And so I think I like what you said about like, you know, investing in those relationships because, yeah, it absolutely takes effort. Um, that's part of you know, the goodness of whenever you are chosen, whenever someone like, makes an effort to hang out with you, I think it makes you feel that much more like, this is a person I can see being in my life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's awesome. I like yeah. That you said that. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about like a lot lately. Is how there's just so many people that I don't know. College is a very lucky time. You're around a lot of people that you really just genuinely love. Um, a lot of people that are great people, but you know that 
once you graduate and you're not in the same town, it's going to be really hard. you got to pick and choose people that hopefully you can keep in contact with. Um, I'm not someone who reaches out to people very easily. Um, my best friends from home probably hear me from me once every two months. <laughs> so I'm not very good at that, but I, I want to be better uh, because I know that uh, there's a lot of friendships that I've made that I really want to keep, you know? So, no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to take effort. So. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about it, Mr. Communication Major. Oh, about the effort? Well, I mean, yeah. I, it, it's one of those I mean, I've realized this as friends have gone away. Like, I have a very good friend who went here to Missouri State my freshman year. And um, he now lives in a different town. And it's only an hour away from here. But the amount of effort that goes into contacting that friend and to attempting to spend, like, find times that our schedules meet up to hang out together, even though he's so close, it's still really difficult because, yeah, you get invested in things in college, like, and, and hopefully this will be the case for the rest of your life, right? You're giving to something, whether that's your family, whether that's a parish, if you're called to the priesthood, whether that's, you know, whatever ministry you're involved with, um, giving to your parish, like, in small groups, stuff like that, parish programming. And so it really takes an effort to coordinate schedules because of your like giving to the things that are present in your life to connect with people that aren't necessarily a part of that regular schedule. Um, and yeah, and I think that really is an intentional thing. And I think it's one thing that is so important to think about because uh, I, I believe that the one thing that's really difficult in our society is the idea that sometimes friendships fade away. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that not only is that not a bad thing, but in fact, that's a good thing. And the reason I say that's a good thing is because it's not really possible to maintain so many levels of friendship with so many people. And so it's a good thing that, you know, basically you're limited kind of by where you're at outside of maybe a couple or a handful of relationships to maintain. You're somewhat limited by the place that you're at. And I know that technology is making this easier, obviously, than it ever was before. But my point is I think that limitation is actually a good thing for our uh, emotional healthiness. To not feel as if we're having to constantly give of ourselves, but we can kind of spend more time in the quiet with ourselves, with our families, mm -hmm. um, with those that we're close with. So yeah, definitely yeah, a lot more that can be said by the expert here. But as we said in the beginning, a layman's <laughs> perspective um, right here. So I think that now might be a good time to move into the topic for our very first ever podcast. We're going to dive into the kerygma, and the, this is the term that most Catholics are more familiar with is the the uh, Didache. The Kerygma and the Didache. Yeah, so to preface how this is kind of working, Alex uh, told me that he wanted to record this podcast. I don't know a whole lot about the Kerygma and the Didache. I actually did a little bit of research, very minimal, mm -hmm. um, before coming into this room today. Alex did a lot more than me, so anything you hear from me is purely, um, as previous emphasized, a layman trying to make sense of the Catholic world. But um, I do know a little bit about these subjects based on a little bit of research I did and other things that have come up in the past, especially as far as the kerygma goes. Let me also preface that um, although I have done more research than Trevor, um, I'm no expert in the topic. I have done um, just enough research to quell my curiosity um, whenever the topic comes up. And um, then I did a little bit more research today just to make it more presentable. So... Uh, by no means am I an expert, but I am put, just putting it in layman's terms. So the kerygma is, it comes from the Greek uh, 
Greek charisim, I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, which means to proclaim, and charix, which means to herald. And the kerygma refers to the initial and essential proclamation of the gospel message. So what essentially is the kerygma? Well, there's been a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different methods to explain it. And I have seen some are, a lot of them are four steps, but essentially the idea is this, and this is the truth that all Christians would profess. Um, some parts of this maybe would be um, explained differently by different Christians, but all Christians would essentially believe this message. Um, and it's this, is that in the beginning, um, before the creations of the heavens and the earth, God, the Trinity existed in perfect union, it existed in perfect love, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that love so bad that they desired to share that love with something outside of themselves. Not that it was imperfect or incomplete, but that um, love desires to give, to be a gift. Um, and so the Trinity, God in his perfection, created mankind and created the heavens and the earth. Um, and man was originally made beautiful. He was made good. Uh, and when I say man here, I obviously refer to all of humankind. I'm using the, the language, the verbiage that the ancient church would have used. So um, for anyone worried about my inclusion of both, um, actually, yeah, it includes everyone. That's the point here. Uh, yeah, so when God created, God created man in the beginning, um, man was very, very good. Um, humankind reflected the image and likeness of their father. But free will is an essential part of love, right? The ability to choose. Right? That's why we call it slavery when someone doesn't have the option to choose to um, be where they're at or to be with who they are, are with. Um, we call it love whenever two people in their own individuality just desire one another so much that they're willing to choose one another. And so that was what we had in the beginning. And in order to have that free will, we had to have the option not to choose God. And guess what? Um, we did. And so in our sinfulness and our brokenness, we looked to the perfection of God and said, like, we wanted to be more than we were. We wanted to um, compete to rival God. And so that story is recorded in Genesis, and I, and I need not go into all of it now. But the idea is that that established this brokenness, right? Now, all of a sudden, we are no longer in right relationship with God because we have chosen something less than the, his perfection for us. And so this is the course of the human history recorded in, um, in part through, through natural history, in part uh, recorded in, in the Bible and through the stories of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. Because God so desired us that he wasn't willing to settle for us to be separated from him, but he wanted, he desired that relationship to be restored. And so, you know, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that everyone who might believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. This, that's the essential message, right? God desired that relationship. He sends his Son in order to live a life for us and to sacrifice for us on the cross. And through that sacrifice, through that resurrection, and even more, not just the sacrifice, but through that resurrection, um, he offers us that atonement for our sins. And so now the choice is on us. The choice is to say, hey, like Jesus is like offering. He's inviting us into this new life. Do we want to say yes to that? Do we want to um, respond to that by growing in relation with him, by seeking him in his church? Or do we want to walk away from that? Um, that is essentially in a nutshell the kerygma. Um, it's, and obviously you could go to 
20 different places and explain he would explain 20 different ways but I believe that all of those places would include the core of that message um, and yeah that's an essential kind of like um, initial understanding of faith yeah yeah it's a charisma is refers to the way in which the gospel is presented so that um, it's appealing and it's a call to conversion and it presents itself in a way that fully explains the way in which God came down to offer a relationship with us. That's like sim- a lot more simpler and a lot less beautiful, but very dry. But it's very, oh, and obviously my explanation lacked a lot of things too. So yeah, like, yeah. Maybe that is better to just say. Maybe that would be better. Maybe I just waste all that time. Maybe we could just say like the charisma is. <laughs> I thought that was pretty pretty well put. Yeah, but there's obviously flaws of it. Um, yeah, that's true. But there wouldn't be a flaw, I think, we're just saying that the charisma is the, is the way that the invitation of Jesus Christ is extended and understood mm-hmm. by people coming to terms with their faith. Yeah. So if you've ever had someone present to you the gospel in the sense of, let's say, for example, uh, the, the version that I believe Focus uses is, you're made for a relationship. Um, and I'm Trevor's more familiar with focus than I am. Um, but you're made for a relationship. Um, we broke that relationship through sin. God and the, the person of Jesus Christ came down from heaven to restore that relationship through his sacrifice on the cross and through the sacraments that he installed in the church. And you must choose to accept this relationship and live within it through the church. Does that sound right? I mean, yeah. The, the, there are certain parts of that maybe that could be adjusted or phrased. But yeah, essentially that is um, traditionally one form of, a, of what's called, yeah, this kerygma, which is kind of um, the same or synonymous with in many uh, religious traditions calling it the gospel uh, message, mm-hmm. you know, presentation of the gospel. That is what this word kerygma means, as far as I understand it. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, that's... Um, pretty much what it is. Um, so, yeah, the kerygma is typically paired with the didache because the didache, it, that's another Greek term. Um, didache refers to teaching, instruction, or doctrine. And you kind of, if you're a Catholic, are most likely more familiar with the didache since there's a lot of classes like PSR, RCIA, things like that, that are instruction based. And they tell you a lot of Catholic things. Um, We had a speaker, Mr. Father Thomas, the Dominican Mm. from Tulane University, came a couple weeks ago. He was a great man. Um, Great speaker. Great speaker, yeah. Um, One of the things that he mentioned when he was here is um, he mentioned how sometimes Catholics just get this pile of Catholic things. And that's kind of what the Didache is. and we kind of want instruction and teaching and doctrine to sift through that and kind of organize that and be able to apply that in our life. Um, but the way that the kerygma and the didache typically work together is that the kerygma is kind of what the kerygma is typically presented um, in a way that kind of calls to action, right? You've probably experienced it, right? Um, but at the end of the kerygma, you kind of ask, like, are you willing to 
you know, restore your relationship with Jesus Christ and accept Jesus Christ to help you restore that. Um, and dedicate is the way that we kind of respond to that. We get the chance to, you know, restore that relationship through learning how to follow Christ and how to imitate Christ. And yeah, they, they just go hand in hand. Um, what are your thoughts so far, Trevor? Yeah, so the way I understand it, and maybe this analogy would be helpful here, the charisma is almost like if you're comparing it to a dating relationship, it's kind of like those first dates. Um, it's kind of like getting a really good, like powerful presentation of what that person wants you to understand about them. Mm -hmm. um, and the Didache is kind of the formation that would take place if you were to get into a committed relationship and to continue to learn about that person, all their nuances, all the different things that um, make them who they are. That Didache is kind of like the formative experience that goes on top of those and that initial like understanding um, that forms that. Now, obviously, all analogies are incomplete and that misses in a lot of areas, but I hope that in some ways an analogy could be helpful. And, and I think the other important thing to emphasize here is that the charisma, in its very nature, demands a response. Mm -hmm. So the charisma is, by nature, an invitation into a life with Christ, a life that is different, that is set apart than a life um, in the world. And so, obviously, the Didache calls us to that as well, but the Didache is simply building upon that foundation. And that charisma is something that, even as you know, the most devout men and women throughout history live their lives, it seems that that charisma is something that you return to, right? The essential, it's, it's what some people might call, you know, that foundation or the very, like, essence of, of their, their spiritual experience, their faith. Um, and so even in times when, you know, you gain a lot more knowledge in this Didache and you gain a lot more knowledge, understanding, growth, um, learning, you know, the habits of sainthood, that all of those things come back to just that core of that gospel message, that charisma, on the promise of new life in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's the best that I understand it, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that was a pretty good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I really liked that analogy you used in the sense of making it kind of a, like, in, in a way, the charisma is the way that you're being asked out, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's your invitation into the relationship because the charisma, the point of the charisma is, is, to make it appealing, and it's a call to conversion, um, so that you recognize, like, that the charisma is the first time that you're, for a lot of people, that you're really exposed to, like, this is what it means, like, this is the most simple, simple version of what it means to strive to be a good Christian man, you know, and, or good Christian woman, um. After you respond to that call, there's more to it, you know. Your your relationship isn't just that that first yes, you know. Um, like Father Mike Schmitz used a really good example uh, during during Seek this year when he was up on stage. He talked about a relationship that you know a lot of middle schoolers can remember something like this, where you had your first relationship, quote unquote, and you and um, your boyfriend or girlfriend, you kind of, you, you said you were dating and one of you might have asked each other out and you said yes and everything, but realistically all you did was kind of look at each other across the classroom every once in a while. You never really went on any real dates and you never really had a real relationship, but you called that a relationship at the time. And that's not the kind of relationship that God's calling you. The kind of relationship 
God is calling you to is a relationship that's fully lived out um, through the didache, where uh, you learn about him and you get to know him. And hopefully, you know, it leads into your vocation. You learn more about um, yourself so that you can fully answer God's call in your life uh, to the fullest extent after you're fully formated um, and everything like that. Or not fully formated, because you're formated throughout your whole life, but you're fully, well, hopefully more aware, ready to make vows, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like that analogy um, in general. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know some of our listeners might be wondering, why in the heck are you talking about um, the Didache and the Kerygma? What does that have to do with me? An average 21st century American just walking around the streets of my city town, you know, living my life. What? How does that impact me? Well, I think it, the nature of that question is um, basically like, how can I make this practical? Mm-hmm. And I think if I want to put it to you the best way I can, I would say that the importance of the topics of the Kerygma and the Didache to the average lay man or woman mm-hmm. is understanding that if we can't articulate the gospel message, the curriculum mm-hmm. to someone else, then there is most likely a deficiency in our own understanding of it for ourselves. And that deficiency causes us, it places a barrier in between our relationship with us and Christ. Um, and why I call it a barrier is because, right, if we understand relationship to be a knowing of the other person, um, there's a lot of scriptural places where there's evidence for this idea of relationship being full, right? Even the fact that in the Old Testament, um, in many places, in many translations of the Bible, when it says, you know, someone would know someone, that was a, that is a euphemism for saying that they um, had sexual relations with them. Um, but it's also accurate in the sense of that knowledge, that knowing of someone is not necessarily in the head, but it's in the heart. And so for us to understand the importance of the charisma, we have to understand that the foundation of our faith is really grasping and pondering on, pondering on these things in our heart. Um, on this nature of our relationship with Christ, and more importantly than even from our perspective, his relationship with us, right? The one that he initiated with us. So this kerygma is so, so important. And why it's important to differentiate these two, the reason we give these, obviously I say fancy terms, they actually were the original terms before we gave them fancy terms in English today. But the reason that the the differentiating of these two terms is important is that the, the foundation of the faith is in this kerygma, but the Didache is also complementary. Um, it, 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 we might call it a helper in that the kerygma is that foundation, that initial understanding of like Christ loving me, searching for me, um, initiating with me, inviting me. But that Didache is as we come to understand that more fully in order to reflect more deeply on that truth, right? Um, for example, I can I'm, to try to give another example, and again, it will fall short in some ways, but I hope that this would help as well. Whenever you begin a friendship with someone, so this is kind of similar to my analogy earlier, you know certain things about them, little things, right? And if it's a friendship that you decide to pursue, there is something about that person that you desire to grow with. Some certain qualities, maybe even it's just their availability and liking the same you know, sport or activity at first. But there's something initially that draws you into that friendship. However, as you continue to grow in friendship with that person, and, and you become more informed and formatted on who they are, um, understanding their character, understanding their ins and outs, those things remind you of those original reasons that you became a friend with them in the first place. 
And so learning more about that actual person causes you to ponder over the very essence of that friendship and where it began in the first place. In the same way as we progress through understanding this dedicate, this, this uh, you know, formation of our faith, it should lead us back to pondering that original original kerygma, that original gospel message. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that that analogy is helpful and you understand uh, for all of our listeners and for ourselves in understanding why it's important to really continue to ponder the most basic things um, in terms of our relationship with Christ. But that as we become more informed, it should lead us to continue to ponder those things and know those things more and more deeply. Yeah. Yeah, and I would also say um, one of the reasons I thought that it might be a good idea to do the kerygma for the first for our first podcast is um, there's a pretty good chance for a lot of our listeners that they've never really had this relationship and this invitation presented to them. And I think that this is a good way to like for listeners to kind of think about like, hey, like, do I like, am I responding to God's call? Like, do I want to respond to God's call? Uh, do I want to respond to an invitation to live a sacramental life, an invitation to live a life for God? Um, and, you know, so for if any of you are that listener, I, I invite you, um, you know, I'm telling you now that God made you for a relationship, not just with other people, but with Him. And Jesus Christ came down to restore that relationship, and He's inviting you into that. So... Just take a second and think really deeply about it. Like, do I really want to pursue this relationship with God to the extent that God wants to pursue a relationship with you? As, as like, kind of an ending note to you, it's like you kind of can't tell people the kerygma without, like, having a relationship with them first. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, so the, the invitation to a life of Jesus Christ is contextualized mm -hmm. by the relationship through which someone experiences it, right? Mm -hmm. So people are going to understand. There are rare exceptions uh, of people that are just incredibly intellectual who come to the faith through just, you know, looking for what is true about the world, asking huge questions, and they have a huge capacity to, like, find the answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. But the majority of people experience conversion, experience, like, a, a, an interior, uh, yeah, conversion of heart, towards the Lord through a relationship. Yeah, so like you said, the kerygma, this this invitation to a life with Christ is most often um, fleshed out in flesh through, through a human person. So yeah, I completely agree with you that the kerygma is very contextual in that it's just, it's uh, it's given by unique people at unique yeah. times. Yeah, and uh, once again, quoting Father Thomas, the Dominican from um, Tulane Institute, um, great guy. <laughs> He, he um, the way he put it was, if you're walking down the street uh, just one day, um, and this car pulls up right next to you, and it's just this random stranger rolls down the passenger side window and yells at you, hey, get in the car, it's an emergency, we need to go now. You're probably not going to get in the car. <laughs> Because one, it's some random stranger. You're probably in more danger if you go. True. Um, on the other hand, if somebody that was your friend, in fact, one of your best friends, came up to you while you're walking down the street, and they pull up right next to you, roll down the window, and they say, 
hey, get in. It's an emergency. We don't have time. If it's your best friend, you're going to get in in a heartbeat, you know. So that in the same way, if somebody were to tell you, like, hey, this is something that's really important. This, this means a lot to me. And then tries to explain to you everything about the kerygma. But you don't really know this person. You're probably going to zone out. You're probably not going to care that much. Because you don't really know this person. And you just kind of want to get on with your day. Um, and you have no reason to believe that it's something that's critical. But if one of your best friends comes up to you and says, Hey, this is something that really means a lot. This is something that's really important. Like, I need to tell you this right now. You're going to be a lot more tuned in. You're going to be a lot more receptive to what they're saying. And that's that's a time when the charisma might be able to stick a lot better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you have anything else, Trevor? Uh, go Bears. That's go Bears. It. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, hopefully in the future we will be able to bring some more content to you all. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And, uh... Yeah, have a blessed, blessed day.